I've learned that I deserve, I deserve to be a part of the equation. I deserve to be happy. I deserve to work with clients that I love and I believe that I can help. Have a lot more awareness about who I am as an individual, who I am as a CEO. Hey y'all, thanks so much for listening in today to the Confident Mompreneur Podcast, the podcast by real women for real women, where we talk about real life difficulties and triumphs as women, moms, business owners, and more. Thanks so much for being a part of our Confident Tribe. Let's get into it. Hi there. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? I am good. Do you want to get us started here by introducing yourself, Um, just a little bit about you, what you do, all of the things? Uh, My name is Simone E. Morris, and I am an author, a podcast host, a entrepreneur, uh, the CEO of Simone Morris Enterprises, LLC, a Girl Scout mom. I do a little bit of everything, and I've been an entrepreneur for the last eight years, My primary work focus is really helping to empower women in the workplace. How do they succeed in their careers, as well as to help leaders create a more inclusive workplace? I love that so much. That's so awesome. I we were talking a little bit before we hopped on here that we're both very much about empowering women um, in all of the ways. So that's why I was kind of, you know, I saw your stuff and it very much drew me into you. So I am super excited to have you on. So uh, you said you're a Girl Scout mom. How old is your daughter? Uh, She literally just turned eight. Oh my gosh. She's a brownie. (laughs) (laughs) How fun. I love that. Um, So what has it been like? You said you've been an entrepreneur for the last eight and a half years. What has it been like being a mom and an entrepreneur for those eight years? Uh, transformative. And because I feel like owning a business is also, it's also like birthing a child. It, it feels like my business is my baby as well. So I have two children and they've both, uh, they both require uh, me to nurture them. And so for me, it's been, you know, it ebbs and flows where I have to go, um, much more is required of me to be a mom at certain times. And then there's much more required of me to be an entrepreneur at certain times. So it's it's been um, interesting. And my greatest delight has been my daughter saying she wants to take over my business. I mean, she's she said it when she was seven. She does have a lot of interest, but I still am excited because she sees what I do. And she gave me a Mother's Day uh a drawing and then she wrote something about me being in business and I just uh it just really you know it's like winning a a million dollar client or something it was so touching to to know that they're watching and they see and 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 legacy so yeah <laughs> it's been Aww. fun I love that so much that's so sweet that she like recognizes that already when she's so young but sees like you know that you're making a difference and she wants to be a part of it too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That is so awesome. I love that so much. I love that you hit on like that 
sometimes your kids require more of your time and energy and sometimes your business requires more of your time and your energy because I do think that's something that gets twisted a lot is we have to give 100% to everything all of the time and that's the only way we're going to succeed. Can you talk a little bit more about maybe finding that balance in entrepreneurship and family? Yeah, um, I, I think it takes a while to get into your groove, um, you know, for things to work smoothly, because if I'm traveling, uh, my daughter doesn't want me to travel. I think with the pandemic and me doing more things remotely, she's gotten used to me being in my home office working. So when the travel conversation comes up, it's a big deal. It, it's a big deal. And and. What I do is I give myself grace. I used to like, I used to beat myself up so much. The mom guilt was just so real. Um, and I would feel terrible. I didn't even enjoy, I I would go there and be there in body, but feeling guilt about not being home to be there for my little girl. And now I realize that I do have to go. Uh, it's good for me. It's good for our family. And, you know, it's good for business. So what my packing looks like is a bit different. Uh, I pack stories and I know that at her bedtime, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to need to take a pause so that I can be present for bedtime. I could read a story, allow her to engage like we do our nighttime routine. And also in the morning before school, I make myself available. I get up, whatever. I'm not going to go do business. How do I maintain the home life even though I'm away? So it's what's our morning routine? I want to hear about this. And and then I usually, wherever I go, I buy the book, Good Night, whatever the location is. Mm. So Good Night, New York. I found myself in New York. So I ran to a Barnes and Noble and I got a Good Night, New York book because when I go home, we read the Good Night where I was. So I collect those. So it's just bringing, bringing my family with me, negotiating, you know, mommy's going to be home in two days and counting down. And what can I do to bring some of where I am back to the family? Mm -hmm. I love that. I've never, I didn't know that they made those individual good night books, but that's they such do. a cute little tradition that you guys have. And mm -hmm. what a good way to like, you know, tie them into what you get to do and maybe like foster that love for travel and for business and things. Mm -hmm. When she was younger, they would come with me. So I would be working and they would go to the library or some children's center and then we'd have dinner together. So I have to make a decision where I didn't really do the networking thing. So I would go whatever event I was doing, but then at night it was still family time. But now that she's in school and her activities, I don't want to pull her out just to travel with me for whatever I'm doing for work. So they usually stay behind, you know, and we're, it takes some getting used to. Yeah, definitely. But I do love that you talk that, you know, it might be hard during those moments, but in the end, it's going to be better for you, for them, for your family as a whole to be able to go and do those things and build your business and create the life that is important to you in the long run. So um, 
what what drove you into your business eight and a half years ago and what what have you learned through developing your business Ooh, great question great questions kiri um so what drove me to my business was closed doors i spent my last job in corporate america was almost 16 years and I ended up leaving in 2013 and I took some time off really to think and decide what's my future. What does that look like? Is it going back to corporate? Which I assumed it was. And uh, when I tried to go back, it, it just was not working out. There were closed doors in terms of opportunities that I thought that I was qualified for. I just was not getting the call back. And so one day I decided enough, you know, like Jennifer Lopez, that like enough, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to beg anybody anymore. Uh, I'm not going to convince you that I'm talented. I'm just going to do things the opposite way. So my plan was I'm going to create my own lane and it's going to attract people coming to me for work as opposed to me saying, hire me. And that was my plan. So that's how I started my business because the, you know, what I wanted to do, I wanted to do diversity, equity, and inclusion work, but I found that the opportunities that were offered to me were lower level. Um, the salary was not great. It was less than I was making when I was in corporate America. I was like, which is interesting because as an entrepreneur, <laughs> your salary is greatly for a while till you figure things out. Your salary is lower. But so I wasn't willing to take that. And I ended up starting to consult and I did what was natural to me. I did a lot of work around project management because that's what I had been doing. And so I taught project management. I did some coaching. I did a lot of different things. And I think you're, you're still trying, it's like uh, clay, like you're trying to make something out of the clay. And eventually you've created something. So I think that's what I was doing in the beginning, just really molding things. And, and eventually I started getting to the point where it was like, I don't like doing that. Why am I doing that? Wait, I'm the boss. Oh, wait. Okay. You know, so I, I was running a business, but it, I still had the, I have a boss. So I can't take today off. And, um, I've got to do things this way. Like I didn't realize what I had by being my own, but I, I don't think I fully assumed the role for quite some time, even taking training. Like, like I, I was trading hours uh, for dollars. So I really needed to keep working to make money. Mm -hmm. And I think after eight and a half years, I've learned that I deserve, I deserve to be a part of the equation. I deserve to be happy. I deserve to work with clients that I love and I believe that I can help. And so it's 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 a lot of, of a lot more awareness about who I am as an individual, who I am as a CEO, and to be more, I'm a doer. So for many years in my business, I do the work. And now I just did this Goldman Sachs training. And um, it was about teaching us to be CEOs. So I am 
elevating in my business. And I think it's attributed to how much I've grown in the last eight years. That is so awesome. I do think it's funny though, the transition from like corporate America to an entrepreneur is such a big one. And you still have that mindset of working for someone else, you know, that trade-off of an hour for a dollar type thing instead of going into that CEO mindset and realizing that you have the freedom to choose what you want to do, what you don't want to do, and like, you know, making that all work for you instead of the other way around. Mm -hmm. Well said. Yeah. I mean, even during the pandemic, I like, I would be like, I can't go. I have, I didn't think that I could go away and work remotely like you know and I think it's that work mindset where it's like I've got to have face time but my work is my computer so picking up my computer and going to a different location and working for that location I could do that but I just thought that I could I don't know where it it was like (laughs) like I feel like when you've worked for someone else for so long you have to spend time I had to spend time deprogramming myself because I just bought into the Kool-Aid in so many ways. And I still have corporate speak where I catch myself saying something where people are looking at me like, like, why am I saying these words? Like that is my vocabulary. That's my lexicon because that's where I grew up. I grew up in corporate America for so long. And so I'm finding myself again and my voice and, and, um, creating my business on my terms, which makes me very happy. That is so awesome. I love that. So for kind of those new entrepreneurs who are still probably in like the first five years of their business or so, now looking back, if you could give yourself some words of wisdom on what to do or not to do, what would you say to them? Yeah, don't get caught up in the busy work. I think that there can be busy work And so one of the things we need to do is focus on revenue, focus on revenue generating activities. Look at your day, how you're spending your day and what portion of that day are you spending to make revenue so that you can stay in business? I would say that's one thing. The other thing is to not beat yourself up so much. Um, I think we can really beat ourselves up with how well we're doing. The social media has so much content about other people and all the fabulous lives they're living and you start to compare yourself and feel bad about yourself I think you just stay focused on okay this is what I want to accomplish and you do the work to get there and you have the support the relationships uh the tools the education then you can 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 really do your thing but it's easy to get caught up in I'm not good enough or I'm not doing this because this person is here So I would say, be nice to yourself on the journey, focus on revenue generating ideas, make time for education because you don't know what you don't know. So you're figuring out a lot of stuff, but if you make the time to get quality education on how to run a business, because think about it. I know when I was in corporate, I was um, a contributor. I wasn't the CEO. And now I'm in a CEO role, but I never got any training on how to be a CEO. I just assumed I'd know how to do it. And the truth <laughs> of the matter was, I, I did not. I was, I, you know, I was doing my thing. So I think recognizing that you're going to need additional education and to make the time for that is important. So those are the three tips that I would share. 
I love that so much. I think those are all really great tips. Um, so you wrote a book, correct? I've got four. Four. Oh my gosh. So what are your books? Yeah. So, you know, excuse me, interestingly enough, I wanted to write a book before I was a mom and I had scribbles on a paper and, and I think once I had my daughter is when I wrote my first book, uh, because I wanted to leave her instructions in case anything, I don't want to be morbid, but in case anything happened to me, my wealth of knowledge is in my head and not on paper. So that was my driving force to finish, to get to the finish line. So my first book is Achievement Unlocks, Strategies to Set Goals and Manifest Them. So I wrote that. And then I wrote, then I felt like I had more to say. And I I understood the process of writing a book. So I wrote The Power of Owning Your Career. So I felt like I was around people, myself included, who were comfortable being in the passenger seat in their careers and not really owning their careers and being in the driver's seat. So that's what that book is about, the power of owning your career. And then I wrote that. Uh, I went to do a speaking engagement in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and the audience was on fire. They inspired me so much. They asked me so many questions. I got on the plane and I wrote 52 tips for owning your career, at least a draft of it. So that is my third book, 52 tips for owning your career. And then the recent release is um, the second version of that, because of course the pandemic hit, (laughs) um, you know, racial reckoning, like so many things happened that I felt like I wanted to update. And I, you know, there'll probably be a third version I, I have a lot to say, so I want to put it down in words. And I did a uh, children's book, so five. I, I've got more than that. I've done collaborations as well. But I did a children's book with Julie Kratz, and it's about Charlotte wants a BFF. So doing different things. Nice. That is so cool. I do love that you're like, I have all of this knowledge and I want to be able to pass it on to her in a meaningful way. And that's what drove you. I mean, that's so cool. And I do feel like that's a lot of the drive, especially as moms, like to show our kids what's possible and pass our knowledge on to them, which is incredible. So your, a couple of your books at least are about like taking control of your own career. So we've already kind of hit the entrepreneur side of that. For those that are still in corporate America, what can we do to better own our careers there? Um, Are there tips that you have maybe for, you know, making sure that we're actually getting what we're worth and, you know, moving up into the positions that we want, anything like that? Yeah, that's a great question, Kiri. Um, Absolutely. Because understand that most of my work experience is from the corporate space. So I've got lots to say for people who are still in the corporate space. And number one, I would say is to claim it because sometimes there are people who will convince you that you are not worth it and that you need to stay exactly where you are. But if you have a burning desire to do something else, whether it's another department Uh, whether it's to be promoted, uh, whether it's to leave your organization, that has come up in you for a reason. So to really recognize the role you play in your career, I think it's important. For me, I was a passenger for many, many years in my career. And what does that look like? 
it looked like I marched to the drum of others. So whatever my manager said is what I did because I believed or I was trained that the workplace is the workplace. You do your work, you'll get paid, you'll get promoted. End of the story. And that's mm -hmm. not true at all. So I would, you know, my head was down. I wasn't one of those people who water cooler, let's have a conversation. I didn't do things like that because I thought that it was taking away from time and the work. And I was like, okay, nine to five. Okay. You know, uh, nine to six or nine. There was a time block. So when it was my time, I wanted it to be my time. And that included the weekend. So I didn't share myself. And I think that hurt me. Not I think I know. People want to know the human being. And I learned that. I even learned that in a performance review where it was like, you know, um, where I forget the language, but it was like um, me not being a team player or something where I was just like, whoa. Uh, and that was from me not participating in social type activities in the workplace. And that is like a mindset where if your cultural upbringing says work, 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 and there's a work plus relationship formula, then you might bumble and stumble with that. And I have clients, I'm a career coach as well. And I have clients where they, they struggle with that, right? So they're not moving the way they want to move in their career. So I will say, first thing is to audit what is happening for you in your career. Are you happy? What is your role in your career? Are you very hands-on or are you hands-off? And you will know if you're hands-on or hands-off because when we are driving somewhere and we're feeling like we're in control, we know where we're going and we're driving whatever speed. But if you're the passenger, you're sitting there and you're taking direction, most likely from the driver, or you're just, you're looking at, you know, the landscape, um, the signs, the exit signs, things going by, and you're not in the driver's seat. So I would take a look at where you are in your career and decide where do I want to be? And that's not to say that you can keep being a passenger if that's what you want to do. But think about flexing where sometimes I'm a driver and that means I want to be involved in my career. I want that I want to articulate what I want in my career. I want to have experiences in my career. These are the experiences I want to have, as opposed to someone telling me, this is the experience that you will have in your career. So it's really being empowered to articulate the want that you want in your career. And also to ask for your value. You, you ask the question, Kiri, about your value. Yeah. You know, it's not just taking that 3% raise because that's what was given to you. It's being able to say, that's great. I really appreciate that. I feel like I deserve more. And here's why. Mm -hmm. So it's building your confidence so you can show up confidently, amplify your voice, and you can be a driver in your career. I love that so much. I do think, especially as women, we have a tendency to undervalue ourselves in everything. <laughs> And not be willing to speak up for ourselves, especially in hard situations like speaking up to a manager or somebody above us. But yeah. there comes a time when you have to like, you know, do that internal audit that you were talking about and say, you know, is what I'm getting from this enough for what I'm giving 
in this right. situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I do love that. When we're going into things like, you know, a yearly review, and we've kind of done that internal audit on ourselves, and we say, you know, I'm not getting the things that I want mm-hmm. out of this, whether that's, you know, the monetary value, or it's like, you know, you're, you want to be doing more of something that you're not really getting a lot of, or, you know, you're doing too much of something that's kind of draining your soul. How do we approach that conversation and do it in a way that we come across confident and are going to get what we need out of it? Yeah, that's a great question. You do your homework. You know, how many times have you gone into a meeting not prepared just because you're in back to back to back to back meetings? You got to spend some time being prepared for the meeting. If you want to have different experiences, if you want to talk about your salary, if you want to talk about projects that you're on, you know, you have an agenda. Your boss can have an agenda, but you come with an agenda as well. Appreciate the agenda that you've laid out for today. Here's what I'd like to contribute to the conversation. And then you manage time to make sure that you get to the things that you want to talk about. If you believe that you're worth more or uh, you need to be able to articulate your accomplishments. So keep a running list of these are my accomplishments and tie it to here's how this accomplishment helped the organization. So when you're saying your sentence, it's not just, you know, I delivered X project, I delivered X project. And as a result, the organization has been able to do X, Y, Z. It's that you can see the difference between the two sentences. So spend the time to do your homework, go back to being a student and be well prepared for the meeting. If the meeting goes off track, you are empowered to bring the meeting back on track. And I think sometimes we sit up in a meeting and it goes, you know, on a tangent And before you know it, the time is up and you didn't get to talk about what you wanted to talk about. If that happens to you and you allow it to get to the end state and you didn't get to talk about what you want to talk about, then you are empowered to say, this has been a great meeting. You know, we had conversations I wasn't expecting to have. Can we, or how about, I'd like to schedule a follow-up meeting. There were items that I wanted to cover that we just didn't have enough time to. Instead of period, that's it. I don't have another opportunity to discuss this till my next performance review. That's not the case. Mm -hmm. We get to kind of take that control and we need to take that control and not be, you know, just chilling in the side seat. (laughs) Yeah, I think that I think that you can um, think that you need permission to have an give yourself permission. Be confident and give yourself permission to show up confidently, authentically, and empowered for success. Yes, absolutely. I love that. So I think we've all had the experience where maybe we go into the meeting, we feel very prepared, we feel like we bring a good argument, you know, on our behalf, but maybe the leadership is just not very great leadership. How do we know when it's time to maybe move on from an opportunity and into something else? Well, I think I think you as an individual know you're going to have cues from your body, from your mind. Like you will know, like this is not, here's, <laughs> if you go into a situation with your manager and you feel like you are just surviving and you're not thriving, that's a big cue for you. But 
I think that sometimes, not I think I know, uh, there can be constraints where you're staying in the situation where you're surviving and not thriving. You could, they could be financial related, you know, it could be different things. So, but you have the answer in the question that you just asked me. We all, we know. How do you know when it's time to leave a relationship? We, we know there are cues along the way and whether we ignore it or decide like, or pay attention to the cues or the writing on the wall, like this is not for me. Like I am looking forward to Friday every week, like, and it's Sunday. Like, <laughs> you know, you, we know it's whether we decide to act like, what am I going to do about this? And by the way, a lot of people don't know they could fire their managers. They think that they've got to take it. Like start shopping for a new manager. If you can't connect with your manager and you're in survival mode and you're not able to, to see how you can partner together for um, success, like start looking. And it doesn't, I'm not saying quit and jump out of the, you don't have to do that, but start looking around for who would be the best manager for me and how, what, what's my plan to get to that spot? Mm-hmm. I think that's super important. We get to choose the situations that we put ourselves in. So even when we're looking for new jobs, like take an audit of the manager, because that's going to be a huge impact on you, but also the things that you're going to be doing, whether you're actually going to enjoy it or not, and whether it's going to be enough money or not. Mm -hmm. Again, I think that's part of, you know, us short selling ourselves well you know, maybe it'll be enough. I'll, I'll be fine. Yeah. I don't know if I could do better, you know, type thing. Yeah. So you've got to uh, move past the fear and fear is, uh, you know, I talk about fear in the book, the things that we're afraid of and fear will cause you to be stuck or stay stuck. So you have to get to a point where you decide to really bet heavily on yourself, believe in yourself, and bet on yourself and and uh move forward despite the fear mm -hmm. yeah that is huge so for those of us who you know have kind of made that push and drive in our own careers and gotten into leadership positions whether it's in corporate america or, you know, owning our own business where we have um, people we're supervising, things like that. Do you have tips for how to be a good leader? Yeah, I, we've been talking about that. I mean, the tips still apply. Uh, doing your work, showing up prepared uh, and getting taking feedback. Be, being self-aware is one of the things that you can do. How do you land as a leader? How are people receiving the messages that you're sharing? So being self-aware and uh, knowing how to correct or self-correct when you show up in a less than favorable way, that's one of the things. The other thing is staying in a learning zone. We need to keep learning because the world keeps changing. And the requirements keep changing. So if we stay, you know, at point A and we never learn anything else, then we're going to be left behind. So to always, always strive to learn more and then to take feedback, take feedback from different perspectives. So what does your team look like? And 
are you asking for input? Input that you can then implement for change. So there are many, uh, you know, many things you can do to to be a transformational leader. Yeah, I agree. I feel like a lot of it, though, is just like being open to criticism and being always learning. I think those are two huge things that you hit on. Um, you talked about when uh, you kind of made the change from corporate America into your own business, you were looking at focusing into like diversity, equity, inclusion, those types of things. Um, if we do own our own business, what are some of your tips or tools that we should use to make sure that we're creating a diverse and inclusive environment? Yeah. So I think as an individual, you can look at your language. Um, one of the things I've noticed, you know, we may feel that we don't need help because we work for a small organization or, you know, it's uh, two people. But the truth of the matter is that it is um, of still, it is still important for us to show up as inclusive leaders. So examples is looking at how you talk and the assumptions you make. Are you saying things like you guys? all the time, like as a blanket statement, even, and you're not recognizing who you're talking to. You just lay the label as you guys. And that's something that I've noticed a lot. Like I was, I was in a training and I just, the person just kept saying you guys. And I was just thinking, but it's not just guys. It, and every time they said, I think it's because of the work that I do. So I finally decided let me tell them because maybe they don't know. And I think, you know, there are small nudges or nuances that are there that people may feel like they don't need to do because they're not a big corporation. Like I don't need to undertake a big training. It's just me and another person, but just really being open to uh, different perspectives. That's another thing where you dance with discomfort because there's another perspective. Why don't we do it this way? And it could make you uncomfortable doing it this way. How do you dance with the discomfort to allow the other perspective? So I think there are things that you can do as an entrepreneur that, you know, I, there are some of the obvious things is reading books around um, diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging reading books about that, participating in a book club or reading a book on your own, sharing content, uh, diversifying your content uh, marketing plan where you are, you're aware that there are celebrations to recognize cultural celebrations. You're aware that your audience needs are different. Sometimes people get fixated on equality versus equity. And equity is recognizing the individual so how do I recognize that the individual has a different need than the blanket need where this is the solution I provide for everybody? So I think uh, there are, are, are baby steps that can be taken as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And um, I, I was just reading something for a client and it was very uh, gender focused, like broad brush assumption because there could be people that are they, them from mm -hmm. a pronoun standpoint, 
But when you look at them, it seems like it's she, her, hers. And so, you know, just making tweaks and learning, developing a new vocabulary that's inclusive. By the way, Grammarly has a setting that you can turn on to be more inclusive. Hmm. So uh, stay curious. I could go many different places with this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure since it's a big driver for you. I do think it's important though, like even if you are a small organization, you know, you only have one or two people hired, you're not just being inclusive for the people you've hired, but potential customers and clients as well. So it opens you up to an entirely new uh, market segment by doing that. Yeah. I do love on your stuff that you're always putting things like you recently had one on uh, Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So you put that one up. Um, I do love that you definitely show that inclusivity in your marketing. And I think it's a good reminder that we can do that as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would say that you don't have to be perfect. You just need to start and be involved and you can bumble and stumble around while you're figuring it out. But again, back to that being self-aware, when you know that you've possibly put your foot in your mouth or you've made a mistake, how do you rise? How do you correct that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. I mean, we're all going to make mistakes and stuff, but owning up to it and asking you know, people in that community, how we can be better too is really important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just thought about the question we were talking about earlier. You could hire an intern and allowing your intern voice is a way to be inclusive mm-hmm. because they're new in their career journeys, but they have an uh, opinion, they have skills And I remember we had our intern in our weekly team meeting and, you know, encouraged the intern to share what you're thinking. What's, what do you think we should do? Mm -hmm. And to actually take some of that perspective and implement it, that's being inclusive as well. Yeah. Well, and it is super important, I think, because getting different perspectives always allows us to learn and grow too. So it's not just, you know, important for the person that we're doing it for, but also for ourselves too, you know, Mm -hmm. by opening ourselves up to different experiences, different ideas, all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Well, I love that. Um, do you have any final tips, tricks, tools, anything like that for owning our careers as women, as moms, as entrepreneurs? Yeah, I, you know, on our website, we've got a list of books. I believe we've got uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion books uh, that you can download. So on the SimoneMorrisEnterprises.org website, there's a resources tab and you can download books about career success. So I host a podcast called The Power of Owning Your Career Podcast, uh, the same name as the book. And we've got, you know, I'd say about 170 episodes at the moment. So they're free. So you can listen to the podcast, listen to leaders come on and talk about how they got to the driver's seat and what are resources uh, that you can 
take from the show. So we've got that available. We've got our own downloads that you can take from there as well. And if you purchase the 52 tips book, by the way, the, the website is 52tipsforowningyourcareer.com. If you purchase that, there is a template that you can download for free to follow along with the book. Oh, very cool. I love that. And it's always super helpful for me when I'm reading, you know, business or personal development books to be doing something alongside of it because it helps me kind of implement it into my brain. (laughs) Yeah, it reinforces. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, awesome. This has been so helpful. I think there's a lot of great tips here um, for moms, both as entrepreneurs and in corporate America. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, I know you kind of already gave us some of your websites, your podcasts. Uh, what is your Instagram and any other places that we can find you? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Instagram at uh, my name is Simone E. Morris, uh, as well as Simone Morris ENT. If you forget any of this information, you can go to connectwithsimone.com. And that's a hub for, you know, all things Simone. So connectwithsimone.com is a good place to go as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here, Simone. We appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Y'all, wasn't that just incredible? Thank you for being here with me today. And if you loved this episode, please leave us a review and share and tag us on all your socials. We'll see you next time.